0: Hi, I'm Joe.
1: And I'm Matt. We're the NC Wine Guys. Welcome to
0: Cork Talk. In this episode, we talk to the Wiseman family of Linville Falls Winery in Linville Falls, North Carolina. Unfortunately, Jack Wiseman, the founder and winemaker, couldn't join us, but we had the pleasure of talking with Linda, Jessica, and Lindsay about all aspects of the winery and vineyard and what makes them mountain grown and mountain made.
1: Wine Class with the Wine Mouths is back for another episode. This time, they dig into Cabernet Sauvignon.
0: This episode is made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council. You can learn more about the council by going to their website, ncwine.org.
1: So sit back, pour a glass, and
0: listen. So today we're here talking with the Wiseman family from Linville Falls Winery in Linville Falls, North Carolina. Welcome to Cork Talk.
2: Well, yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to be on
0: So let's start with, so we have Linda, Jess, and Lindsay with us. So Linda, why don't you tell us who you are and what you do at the winery?
2: Sure. I'm Linda Wiseman. I'm the tasting room manager at the winery. Basically, that covers a lot of everything that happens inside the tasting room, like most tasting room managers. But being an owner, too, and family, that sometimes means covering. So a little bit of everything. So, main title, Tasting Room Manager, and I'm fortunate to have my daughters that work there with me that basically carry the larger load of everything. I'm Jessica. Um, I'm now Jessica Wiseman Boone. I got married recently. Congratulations. I'm Linda's daughter, and I do, gosh, I'm not really sure what my job title would be. This is where things get a little bit messy, (laughs) but... Handle a lot of our compliance, um, a lot of our design, our website, um, just things that keep us legal. A lot of the organization of production, and then just general management things. I think that would be the the best descriptor of that. That hits the highlights for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, my name's Lindsay. Um, I'm Linda's daughter as well. And Jessica's sister. I would consider myself probably the least eloquent of the Wiseman's. So <laughs> I'll model of course. Uh, my job. Uh, I, I would say I, if there is a need, I fill that need. That's kind of my job. So I do everything from I kind of do all the things people don't want to do, actually, is the way I describe it. So I work with, um, like, events. Um, I do um, some stuff with Linda, doing some managerial stuff. Um, I do a lot of our wine club stuff. Mm -hmm. I help my sister um, with compliance and label decisions and bottling decisions. I help my grandpa make some wine sometimes and say, hey, maybe don't do that. And, hey, uh, that's probably doesn't taste good <laughs> or hey that's great let's go with that so a little bit of everything but i enjoy it so yeah
1: it's always good to have an official taster around
2: oh yes and yes. she is she's the the best taster of us all for sure yes.
1: talk to us about Lindell falls winery and how everything got started
2: <laughs> yeah so um we meet. Neither of us three were really directly involved in the starting of the winery. Um, it was mine and Lindsay's uh, grandpa, Jack, who is quite the character, <laughs> but he um, is still actively involved in the winery. He's our, our winemaker, and uh, the buck stops with him, so to say, so for every decision, but he... Um, We've owned this property since the 50s. Um, He used it primarily for growing Christmas trees throughout uh, his life, which is another really um, prolific business in our area. And about, I guess, 25 years ago, he started experimenting with soil sampling there. He spent some time out in California um, when he was, I guess, early 20s, and Really enjoyed going to Napa, visiting Bayer. You know, he always says when he went out there, it was just a totally a totally different world. And he got the chance to kind of, you know, make wine with friends. He uh, was a steel worker. So he um, was able to contribute those skills uh, of working in steel and helping, you know, create uh, tanks and stuff. And so he enjoyed that time. And when he moved back, to this area it was basically Christmas trees his whole life until he started thinking about those vineyards and did some soil sampling. And we started experimenting with grapes about, uh, I guess, 20, 20 years ago would be when he was started experimenting a little bit. And then I'd say our oldest finds are about 17 years old. So none of the three of us really directly involved in that process. When we opened our doors, I was a sophomore in college. I came home, and I was like, what's up? What are we doing? (laughs) So, I yeah, it's really interesting how, I mean, it's our whole world now. I mean, the three of us working together with my grandpa, it's it's just crazy how much has changed in the last um, eight years Um, of being open. Almost, it'll be nine in the fall. So, we've all had, I guess, very different experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, Mom, and you may hear me refer to her as Mama Linda. That's what we call her around here. So, Um, I know you've you've definitely worked there longer than Lindsay and I have because we're just kind of, we're younger. We were still keeping our feet under us. So I don't
3: don't know if there's,
2: yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's things you want to contribute to like those early days. The early days were crazy in the regards that, like she said, none of us really knew what he was up to. There (laughs) would be a little bit, we'd be fines on the property. And um, there's a choosing cut on the property. Yeah, Christmas the, trees. It's the Christmas trees. And mm-hmm. we run a, a little choosing cut there down below the building. I know you've seen the red barn. And in that red barn, that's been many, many things. But in that red barn is when you would look up into the fields and go, wow, that looks different. But you never really thought much about it. But in October of 2012, this, well, let me back up. In April of 2012, he started laying the groundwork for building the tasting room. And that's when a few questions started being asked. And I'm not an inquisitive person. I just wait for people to tell me things. And so it wasn't until he said, hey, would you like to come down and hang out and work here? And I was like, sure. I don't drink a lot of wine, but I like it. Um, So... October of 2012, and the date still is kind of fuzzy. I want to say it was the 8th of October. We were bringing people in the front door, and the scaffolds were going out the side door. <laughs> <laughs> the Paul mountain is very busy in October, and it was one of the most beautiful Octobers that I can recall. We actually have a picture inside our tasting room, if you've never noticed it, that a photographer took. And it was the exact month and the exact year that we opened. And it's the most beautiful scene of Wiseman's View. The color was perfect that year ago. So it's always great to tell people, oh, yeah, that's the year we opened. So that's when I came on board. And it was a learning experience from there. Mm-hmm. Our our friends in the industry, Grandfather and Benner Alp were so kind to train me. And now I drink wine all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One of the hazards of the job, I suppose.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's, it's fun.
0: <laughs> so, what were some of the first vines that uh, Jack planted?
2: Yeah, he started with hybrid um, grape vines because, I guess, from his research, uh, I think he was looking really towards um, regions like the Finger Lakes to kind of clue us in as to what would grow well in our region. You know, we're we're such a different growing environment from the Yakin Valley, so it was looking towards there to kind of get an idea for what would work for us. But we also uh, tried some things that didn't work so mm-hmm. well. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the, the first ones, those hybrids, you've got Markel Foch, mm-hmm. um, Marquette, and then I guess Nore came a little bit later. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, I guess all Blanc would have been the first white. Mm-hmm. Great. And not too long after that, Riesling, mm-hmm. which is a non hybrid, of course. Um, some of the ones that didn't work so well. We still have some of the old cab cabernet vines. They're they're pitiful. We get like a, you know, a really stretched fifty gallons, baby <laughs> that's, that's more than I thought about. I got. That's so, he yeah, tells me, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But that just kind of it kind of yeah. just gets blended in with some of the other ones. Our growing season just isn't long enough for it. Mm-hmm. And then um Alvarino. That was a very sad attempt. Yeah. Melbach. Oh, really? Yeah, Melbach and It's Right behind the taste mm-hmm. yeah. So Melbach. Yeah. We've, we've never been told we have a, we're like chili, so I guess we shouldn't have. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't have used that to describe elevation, but not <laughs> <later>. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so definitely some failed experiments. I'm sure we'll have many more failed experiments down the road when it comes to figuring out what the mountains love, but yeah, those, those hybrid grapes were definitely a, a good plant from the start.
0: So currently how many uh, acres are under vine?
2: We have 12 currently. Um, some about an acre of those are newer, um, but all long grapes, but uh, 12 under vine, 11 producing mm-hmm. consistently right now.
0: Okay. And let's talk about the growing season then. You mentioned it's shorter uh, due to the elevation and the climate in that area. Uh, so talk a little bit about some of the unique aspects of, of climate in that area.
2: For sure. Well, as we're chatting right now, we're we're huddled in and looking out to two and a half inches of snow <laughs> outside. So, um, yeah, it's just a little bit colder up here. Um, our vineyard sits from 3,200 feet elevation mm-hmm. to 3,400 mm-hmm. feet elevation. Um, and so that can really just affect the amount of, of time that you have these warm sunny days uh, you're limited so I mean we've had we've had some really late snows uh, and late frosts for example this year yeah. got a lot of our moray a late spring frost um, or in the Blue Ridge Mountains I know down in Asheville they had an issue with that as well and a lot of the vineyards down there were affected by that that late frost so I mean you're you're contending with a a shorter growing season for sure, which, which kind of limits the varieties they're able to, to ripen. Yep.
0: So typically when does uh, the first, when do the first vines break bud?
2: Probably around May um, or maybe late April. Mm -hmm. I can look back at maybe some photos. I I honestly don't have a, an exact date for that ML. Okay. So it varies and it's varied over the years. So like Jesse, um, Talked about last May, the first weekend in May, we had that late frost, and it did affect some of our noir. And I think that's the first one to bud break. It's uh, Marquette. Marquette. Okay. So that one's that one got bit because it was actually starting to come on. And there's some Concord grape vines on there too that we don't make wine with, and it affected a little bit of them as well. So mid-May is typical for all beauty. Bud break, like the trees, trees and everything. Trees, everything. Right. So they always say here in the mountains, you're under frost and freeze warning until May seventeenth. So a good guess would be mid-May yeah. for 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 everything to have broke bud by for yes. everything. Because yes, that to some, be more clear for everything. Because some things will come up. We could have a beautiful warm April, mm-hmm. and then boom, hello, on the winter winterized. Yeah. Just remember that in May, whenever it's the most important time of the year, my birthday oh, yeah. is when life starts coming back. Yeah. <laughs> True.
0: I agree with you on May. May's also my
2: birthday. <laughs> those May babies. May babies.
0: <laughs> so when do you typically then begin harvest?
2: Harvest usually starts mid September. So for those um Save All Blanc is probably our first one that we start harvesting. uh, Marquette is our red grape that comes on the quickest, so it also comes off the quickest. And then we usually let our other red grapes and even our our Riesling kind of hang on a little bit longer all the way into October. And when we're able to do a late harvest Riesling even even later into October, which gets a little risky. because then you're really under a a chance of a frost, mm-hmm. which you'd say is a lot later than a lot of vineyards in just
0: depends. So let's talk a little bit more about, um, besides climate, w- what about the uh, soil and that sort of thing? That what are those? What impacts does that, ha- does that have on?
2: Um, I forgot that I keep answering questions. I like you. I know. No, okay. <laughs> 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 have my little comment. You're so you're a better uh conversation leader okay well i'll keep going for it and you just you'll you'll let me know jesse's definitely the group leader out of all of us (laughs) though in my yes (laughs) no but um mountain soil definitely a whole different ball game than other places in north carolina and that's the thing about north carolina i mean you just have so much variety Mm -hmm. it's super cool so what we have is a lot of rock uh, of course, mountains get a lot of rock in the soil. Um, so lots of minerality, which definitely comes through. I think I tasted a lot in our Riesling. You really get that minerality that comes through. Um, I unfortunately can't necessarily tell you, like, how much nitrogen is in our soil or give you, like, that level of detail. But, um, but yeah, you're working with a lot of minerality, some, some rockiness um, in our soil up here. Not a lot of clay.
0: And talk a little bit about the slope of the vineyard. It's not not exactly flat.
2: It isn't no, and um, it is. It's quite the walk if you go straight up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um yeah. So we we are planted on a southeastern facing slope. So the lowest um, of the vines will be at thirty two hundred, and then it climbs up the hill to thirty four hundred. Um, and so you've got um I think that's also very advantageous for us too, because the sun is able to really hit the base of those roots um, a little bit easier based on the, the slope of the vineyard. So that's also great. It's um you never have to worry about, you know, too much rain. The rain runs off pretty easily. Um, we also have never once had to irrigate the vineyard, which has been really awesome. So water and um, thankfully is not really something we've ever had to contend with um, as far as, the vine's getting too much, uh, like, you know, drowning, essentially, or you know, a drought. We've never really had to worry about either of those things. So that's been definitely a plus.
1: Perfect. Yeah, that slope is really dramatic when you're in the parking lot and you're looking up. You can really see just how steep it is. It's, a, it's incredible.
0: So what kind of challenges does that slope in the vineyard present when you go to harvest? Or, or even just tend to the vines?
2: <laughs> Good workout <laughs> um, challenges. yeah. 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 Especially the Riesling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have some some steeper vines. Thankfully, I mean, it's, you know, you see these pictures along like the Moselle River where they're, like, strapped in. <laughs> to the Thankfully, we don't have to do anything like that. It's not that super steep. But it does, I mean, um, it is, I guess, challenging to get equipment up in there as far as, like, you know, a, a tractor. If you're putting grapes on the tractor <laughs> to be then taken down to production, I mean, it definitely takes a little more a little more care but thankfully we're not so steep that it's uh that it's a uh, hazardous so to say it's just a nice little workout for sure do you mind if i, add yeah, pop in. There you go. I apologize I, this is um it's very interesting when you read about how other people harvest like Jessica was saying and so because of some of the slope areas we put buckets at the very end so if you've ever drove by or from in September and see all the harvest buckets at, what do you call those bins? I think it's just bins. Just bins. Plastic bins. The plastic bins. <laughs> at the edge of each row of vines, you grab yourself a bin, you walk up the hill. Sometimes I'm on my knees in the recent area, and when you get them done, you carry that bin back down to the bottom, and someone's coming by on the, the four-wheeler, yeah, four-wheeler or side-by-side and putting them in a cart, and carrying them down. And that's pretty pretty intense labor for anybody that's helping or being a part of it. So when people go, can I help harvest? We're like, absolutely, When can be here. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. How so. many people in your family? How many people in your family? We're going to put okay. them in a different section. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So which would you rather harvest, grapes or Christmas trees? Oh,
2: grapes. <laughs> grapes. You can eat grapes. Yes, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I yeah. guess you could eat Christmas tree spruce. It's always fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: A little, a little, uh, you know, a little too piney, maybe, or sprucey. Yeah. I guess. yeah,
2: they also don't really let any of us have a chainsaw, so probably for. <laughs> but-
0: yeah, you could probably do more damage with that than a pair of, uh, of shears or something. Flipping. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Very cool. So we talked a little bit about the grapes. Let's talk a little bit about the wines that you make then. So uh, you, you listed off all your varieties. Uh, what's what's on your lineup right now?
2: We have quite quite a lineup. Um, so we, along with the grapes that we grow, we also source wines from other places too, just to have a, a pretty large variety. And plainly, because we just can't produce from our 12 makers what we need to sustain us. Uh, for business. So, um, of course, Riesling. We make a few different versions of this Riesling. We have just our our plain, middle-of-the-road Riesling. It's a bit of a semi-sweet, or semi-dry, I guess I should say. Um, So it's not going to be like Riesling you find and you drink and it tastes like sugar water, essentially. You know, gets kind of a bad rock out there. This is going to be a little different from that. We also take that Riesling, ferment... Grilling really all the sugars out, make it nice and dry. We call that very creatively our dry riesling. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, um, the one I alluded to earlier, the late harvest riesling, which is um, kind of honestly to being an ice wine, but because our our frost is just varies so much here, um, the late harvest is usually a safer bet for us, just to let those grapes a bit longer. And um, that save-all-blanc grape, uh, that white hybrid grape actually goes into making um several different wines it gets blended um but our mountain white which is a sweeter white wine is made um, entirely of the save Blanc grape so it's really delicious those grapes that if you're wondering uh, which vineyard I like to harvest it's the save vineyard because yeah. those grapes taste so good just they straight are great so off the line. yeah So, yeah, that's a great one. We also use that one in our Trillium blend, um, which is a blend of three different wines of grape varieties. And then from our red hybrid grapes, we make a blended wine called Elevation. Um, The Elevation over the years has become more predominantly Noray, and we've been using the Marquette and the Marquette for other other things, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be the base of the fruit wine or, or just blending for more nuanced flavors. So we really enjoy the, the Nori grape a lot. Mm-hmm. And then of course we source cab, we source Merlot, we source chardonnay. Um I went out of order, so I'm having trouble. Oh, mm-hmm. and um, we do a, a blueberry and blackberry wine, which is super duper fun. That's that's a, a bit of a different different thing. And then and in the past. Um, we were using merlot as a base for those blueberry and blackberry yeah, so yeah but um for the past two years we've been actually using our grapes that we grow so the nore in the market and it's been really fun because it just adds a really great fruity component mm-hmm. to it that mm-hmm. wasn't there before yeah those yeah. grapes to t- tend to have like really juicy notes mm-hmm. for sure so yeah, yeah. What I miss what I miss uh, uh, to to I was and and an safe. issue. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Our um our grandpa really he gets uh, excited about creating lots of new things. And so we um we have quite quite a list. Not all of those things are on the list consistently, um, but those those ones that I named are typically staples that that hang out on there for sure. petite bordeaux Oh yeah, that's Petit Verdeau, North okay. Carolina, Petit Verdeau. Right, right. mm-hmm. And then the Cascade is going to be a North Carolina white blend as well. Right. Yeah. 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 So all of those from North Carolina. We grow a little bit of Petite Brudeau. We're still trying to figure out, you know, if it's going to work for us. Yeah. yeah. We have a um, a section of vineyard that's off property um, that my grandpa's been experimenting with. Uh, that's just a slightly lower elevation, um, just a few miles down the road, and it tends to Seems to do just a little bit better down there, so we're feeling like maybe the Petit Verdure needs yeah. needs a little a little More less a little less elevation. Yeah. So you know, it's it's the the game figuring it out. But you guys haven't tried Wiseman's View. That's a new one. Yeah, that one's the new one, and Lindsay came up with that fun name because Jack's last name is Wiseman, and we have the iconic Wiseman View area that people visit but Jack's got this little platform at the top of the property that is on a 97% grade. So yeah. it's quite the hike. And um, yeah, I, I doubt it's that great. It feels like it. Um, so when you get up there and you sit and Jack likes to go up there and sit, he'll drive his truck up and sit up there and look over the property and think about his early years, different things um, around the property that he's done in his last years. You know, he started the tasting room, the retail part of it, when he was turning 82, going into his 82, 82nd birthday. So that's kind of crazy. So Wiseman's View, um, Linda came up with that name because it's his view of what he's done. And Jesse wrote a beautiful, fun little story on the back of it about. A little bit of history of the mountains you know a little paragraph but it makes it fun people you know buy for taste people buy for appearance and people buy for the story and this time people are buying for all three for you equally you know they'll go oh that's really good oh what a cute bottle oh but honey look at the back of this bottle did you read this story <laughs> I read so, a very dramatic give me give me three paragraphs. so it's kind of fun so yeah. you guys will have to get one of those yeah, and that's gonna be uh it's like a dessert style bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's kind of similar to a port. Of course, we can't call it port, but yeah. in that it's in that lane for sure. Very
1: cool. Now you had mentioned fortifieds as well, so you do have some fortified wines that you produce as well.
2: We do, yeah. So we um. Gosh. How could I forget Cherry Bounce? That yeah. one's been around since the start. So, um, Cherry Bounce is a fun one. It's a cherry wine fortified with brandy and with a little bit of cinnamon mixed in there. So, we call it Christmas in a cup. It mm-hmm. is delicious. It's very, very good. Definitely a, a higher alcohol wine, as you might imagine. So, fortified. Um, that one is actually based off of a Martha Washington recipe, uh, that my grandpa read about in like a newspaper, mm-hmm. the, Wall Street, the, the Wall Street Journal, yeah. I think, something <laughs> like that, which for Jack, the Wall Street Journal is the Bible. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he catches us out little articles and he's like, "Read this. It's so funny. We have so many little newspapers laying around, but, um, I, I mean, I was probably, gosh, I'm, I'm going to implicate myself a little bit here on the but I was like 16 17 you know still in high school drove up to my grandparents house and he's cooking something on the stove and I'm like what you doing and he's like try this and it's just you know my whole life has been try this try this and so um he's been experimenting that one with uh, the cherry bounce for for a good bit so that when we opened the tasting room that was one he he really took and ran with and People really loved it and it just it fits our vibe like with us being a very popular Christmas destination mm-hmm. because of the choose and cat Christmas tree farm. So those two things just fit like a glove. And since the the cherry bounce became so popular, we started experimenting with more fortified versions of fruit wines. So now we do an apple one, a blueberry one. A blackberry one and a, a strawberry one which I love. love. I'm a strawberry person. Yeah, <gasps> and strawberry, I that that, like crazy. <laughs> Especially like with Valentine's Day and everything with mm-hmm. strawberries so popular. So those are those are fun dessert wines that we do as well.
1: Very cool. Thanks for going into that.
2: Oh um, yeah.
1: This is actually a really good spot to take a quick little break, but then we will be right back and we'll probably talk a little bit about um how business is going. It's time again for Wine Class with the Wine Mouths. Jesse and Jessica, welcome back.
0: So good
3: to be here. Thanks.
0: So last time we talked about Chardonnay. So what great variety are we going to be talking about today?
3: All right. So today we're going to be traveling to France Mm -hmm. (laughs) and discussing Cabernet Sauvignon. Très bien. Yeah. Except you get to hear us butcher French in our Southern (laughs) (laughs) accent.
1: Well, we have Joe here who can kind of provide some pronunciation guidance.
3: Excellent. Uh, But yeah, so today we're going to talk about Cabernet Sauvignon. So Cabernet Sauvignon is a French grape that originated in the Bordeaux region. And it's actually a cross that happened naturally a long, 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 long time ago uh, between two different grapes, Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc, which is interesting because Sauvignon Blanc is actually a white grape. That it is. Who would have thunk? could have such an interesting parentage but so they think it dates back to the 1600s which is based on some dna testing that uc davis in california did back in the 90s it really hasn't been that long since we've known that about cabernet sauvignon talking about its baby daddy cabernet franc so cabernet sauvignon is that makes it a half sibling of merlot and Carmenere. so it's a very modern family if you will (laughs) except also not modern because it's been around forever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very fun. Who would have thought that all those grapes are related to each other?
3: So we'll move into the vineyard now.
4: Cabernet Sauvignon grows well in North Carolina. You can see it grown all across the state, um, from the Outer Banks to the mountains. How it grows kind of depends on where it is in the state, but it can be grown everywhere. It's the number two um, vinifera variety grown in North Carolina. So it's one of the big players for North Carolina. And a couple of pros and cons in the vineyard with Cabernet. So on the good side, it has a later bud break. So we don't really have to worry about frost with Cabernet. It'll It's one of the last ones for bud break. The grapes produce a high quality wine. Its demand is high for the grapes. So you know, for folks that are just growing grapes and not making wine, this is one of the grapes that's going to get the most money in the vineyard. Um, It just has a higher demand and premium price to it. The vines are high yielding. So when it's properly managed and the fruit, comparatively speaking for North Carolina, is pretty good with its resistance to different kinds of rot. So it does well in the vineyard. On the flip side of that, there are some cons. It is, has a later harvest date. So that means we can have issues with it in North Carolina with hurricane season. So it's one of the grapes that sometimes has to get harvested early if a hurricane is coming through. And it also does have some susceptibility to winter injury. Um, and that's just if it gets too cold in the winter for the vines, it can cause some injury to the the water system within the, the plant while it's lying dormant in the winter. And it can also have some Crown gall and excessive vegetative growth. So, you just have to watch to make sure when you're growing Cabernet that, that you're not getting too much greenery that's going to pull away from your fruit getting ripe.
3: So, Jesse, what's crown gall? So, crown gall is a disease that
4: is caused by a bacteria that can live in the soil and it causes growths or galls. To grow on the roots and branches and so this can kind of cause deterioration of the the vine over time because it'll have these galls that are that are growing on the the roots and branches and everything of the of the plant sounds yucky yeah it looks yucky too
0: yeah google it you'll find some interesting pictures
4: One other fun fact in the vineyard about Cabernet is with the grapes. So unripe grapes, or even if they're, you know, not fully ripe, just slightly unripe grapes can cause aromas of green bell peppers in cabs. And that's not always desirable. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. So there is a fine balance there. But that organic compound for that aroma is a pyrazine, which you find in other wines, specifically Sauvignon Blanc. And it is a, a trait you do want in Sauvignon Blanc. It gives you that herbaceous, note. But in Cabernet, both Sauvignon and Franc, you get the green bell pepper characteristic. So we do see that in North Carolina. So there is some work being done to make sure that doesn't happen.
1: Very interesting. And like you said before, you know, a lot of name recognition, everyone wants their Cabernet. Mm -hmm. So how does it do in the winery itself?
4: So in the winery, it does well, it makes, you know, a dry red wine, mostly hopefully barrel aged. It's often used in blends as well in the winery. So because it's such a good solid backbone wine, it goes in a lot of blends. So anybody that has a red blend in North Carolina, it's likely that it has Cabernet in it. Kind of along those lines, you know, with labeling, we can have up to various percentages of other wines if it's a varietal. But just in general, like America if it's an American wine, it can have up to twenty-five percent of another variety in it and still be called whatever the seventy-five percent is. So, you know, Cabernet is in a lot of wines, even if it's not necessarily on the label.
0: Kind of provides a nice firm backbone for most blends.
4: Yes, definitely.
0: So, so most folks, when they think of Cabernet, at least at least in the United States, a lot of folks think of Napa um, mm. and the big, bold, tannic Cabs that we see coming out of Napa. How how are the how do the cabs in North Carolina kind of compare to those or are they more like Cabernets from other parts of the world?
4: Um, Yeah, I definitely think comparing them to a Napa cabs, not the right way to go. I think if you did that, you would probably be disappointed just because that it's different. Not that one's better than the other. They're just different. You know, a lot of that has to do with the climate and back to the vineyard. We aren't going to be able to get our fruit quite as ripe and, as high of alcohol content as California. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit lighter and maybe a little bit less tannic even. So it probably compares more to, you know, the French Cabernets.
0: I would agree. I think that's uh, the case for most East coast cabs are going to be more because of the climate is, is more, more like a Europe, more like Bordeaux than it is the Mediterranean kind of climate they have in California. So
3: and that doesn't make it bad. No, it's just exactly. It's different exactly. what you're looking for. But like you know, Jesse was saying, you're kind of going to set yourself up for disappointment. If if you think you're opening your North Carolina cab and it's going to have the same oomph as a Napa cab, it's just going to be different.
0: Exactly.
3: One interesting thing too about cab, talking about, about referencing back to blending um, and its origin is that, it kind of goes back to the tradition of Bordeaux's in general. So Cabernet Sauvignon is um, used in the, in Bordeaux blends where historically, traditionally, uh, they were blending those Bordeaux grapes. And then here in the States, we have Meritage.
4: So Meritage is this alliance, and it was started, I think, in California where folks were getting frustrated because of the labeling requirements for varietals. So they were blending Cabernet and Merlot and some other wines but they couldn't call it anything on their labels because the percentages weren't right and so it wasn't getting the recognition that it deserved so they kind of created meritage which is merit and heritage so it's always pronounced meritage (laughs) so that allows a blend of Bordeaux grapes Um, but we're not in Bordeaux so obviously it had to have a different name but we do have some wineries in North Carolina that are making Meritage blends and I think you
3: actually even have to pay that alliance to use that name
4: that you
3: do. so pretty cool mm-hmm. and don't try to get fancy and say Meritage <laughs> it's Meritage
1: so now you had mentioned that you know Cabernet is one of the the blending grapes in Bordeaux and here in the states we often see it as just a single varietal but I think we need to embrace a little bit more of the blending with it because I think blends are such a good thing They kind of combine all the best qualities of the grape and kind of give you some more flexibility. And I think we need to look for more blends.
3: Absolutely. And I think that it's trending that way with wine tastes in general. So funny when people tell us like, oh, we're really into red blends right now. (laughs) What what does that mean? But I agree. I mean, you kind of get to pick and choose the best um, and highlight the qualities you want to in a blend.
1: So now a little bit ago, you mentioned flavors. So what are the primary flavor profiles of Cabernet Sauvignon?
3: Yeah, so um, you're going to look for those blue fruits and oaky flavors, smoke, pepper. Going back to the vineyard, you may or may not have that bell pepper flavor, but also so black cherry, black pepper, blackberry, lots of those fruity flavors. Uh, tobacco, leather, vanilla—any those might pop up as well. And it makes it a fun wine for pairing.
0: So, what would you suggest pairing with Cabernet Sauvignon?
4: So, my favorite pairing is just a steak and baked potato, classic, classic dinner <laughs> here in the South. <laughs> and um, I always go for a cab with that.
3: Or ribs, or barbecue, or you know, pizza. I think this could go well with a lot of different things. How about you guys?
0: I mean, I think I would agree, uh, meat. Or some sort of like mushrooms, something with mushrooms maybe that has a lot of umami. Anything with fat because of the tannin in the the wine, it it would pair well with anything that's a little fatty because it kind of cuts the fat a little bit. But I just like to sit and have a glass of cab to drink, especially East Coast cabs. They're they're a little bit more approachable, whereas I think if you're drinking a Napa cab, you're going to need to be probably having some food with it because it's going to be more tannic.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think like more of a, if it's in the wintertime, like a hearty stew would be nice with a Cabernet.
3: That would be perfect for a day like today. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Any other tips or tricks when it comes to Cabernet?
3: Just drink them. (laughs) (laughs) Find what you like uh, and taste lots of different ones.
0: So one thing I I was trying to to, uh, look up a little bit where the word Cabernet comes from. It looks like it may originate from Latin, a Latin phrase meaning black vine. And then, of course, Sauvignon comes from Sauvignon Blanc, which means, which Sauvage is wild in French. Of course, Blanc is white, Mm. so wild white one. So that's kind of the origins. It's wild black vine, I guess, is kind of what Cabernet Sauvignon kind of means, if you were to translate it.
3: Interesting. And things must have gotten wild back in the day. to Cabernet Cabernet
0: Franc was (laughs) was an active uh, little vine, wasn't it? Yeah.
3: with all those
1: <laughs> Well, on that note, it has been a great time. <laughs> Jesse and Jessica, thank you so much. Thank,
3: thank for you for having us.
1: You can find out more information about the Winemouths by going to their website, winemouths.com, or on Facebook and Instagram, at winemouths. That's W I N E M O U T H S. And now, back to the show.
0: So we're back with the Wiseman's from Linville Falls Winery. So let's talk a little bit about what tourism, how tourism impacts the business. People come to the mountains all throughout the year. Uh, So maybe take us through the seasons and talk about some of the unique unique aspects of each season in coming to visit the mountains and then, of course, coming to visit the winery. For
2: sure. Lindsay, do you want to take this one? I'm going to try. It's going to be great. Especially, Lindsay is our resident skier, so she is Miss Winter right now. (laughs) Yes. So, in winter, of course, the season that we're in right now, huge ski season um, for our area. People come up to beach and to sugar, but it's also more crowded than it's ever been, which is crazy because you would think with everything that has happened with coronavirus, people would be more interested and... staying away from crowds and trying to stay in but it has really been the opposite for our area because people view our area as an escape from Mm -hmm. the cities and everywhere else but it has really just skyrocketed tourism
4: Mm
2: -hmm. um, which I know is probably a whole separate (laughs) topic yeah we'll have to get into but it's been a crazy winter um We have people coming up to ski, and whenever those ski areas get too busy, they're like, I do not want to be up here in this area. We're going to Limbaugh Falls. It's rural. We love it. And so they, we've been getting a lot of ski traffic, more than we um, have in the past, actually. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we're right next to the parkway, so we get a lot of people traveling to see the snow, traveling to see the seasons on the parkway. And they're like, a winery off the parkway, so they'll... Do the Limbo Falls hike? Um, come to our winery, hang out in the winter. That's pretty much the same for every season. It's just that there's different things going on. In spring, people get excited about growth and Hiking. oh my gosh, it's a great time to hike. It's not going to be busy. It's going to be busy though. <laughs> yeah. Um. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It's always busy. Yeah. <laughs> so they come, they hike. Um. On the parkway again, oh, there's a winery. They come to the winery. Same thing for Banner Elk. They want to come hang out in Boone area with the college, too. So, like Appalachian, which I graduated from Appalachian State. Proud mountaineer over here. Um, they're just coming for all the different attractions, and we just happen to be part of it, which is really awesome. So, we benefit from other tourist attractions in the area. But I'd say we've become kind of our own attraction. Yeah, I think yeah. we're... We're our own thing. <laughs> but fall, fall's a huge season. All the color changing. People go nuts over the leaves. I go nuts over the leaves. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I want to do all the hikes and check everything out. It's a beautiful time for our vineyard. You get a little color on top of the leaves. You got all the people coming out for the Instagram photos. So, <laughs> yes, which people are super um, interested in the experience of being outdoors and um being able to take that family photo in an area that's really pretty and i just think our area has beauty all seasons of the year Mm -hmm. which is really awesome Mm -hmm. of course you get kind of the gross yucky leave like rain time but it's still cool like it still looks great so i think we really benefit from the beauty of our area which draws people to, to our business during all seasons
0: fallslands well it certainly is a beautiful beautiful part of north carolina and for folks who haven't visited yet definitely go take a look and as as lindsay was saying they're right off the parkway i mean uh so you can't go wrong of course the parkway does close certain portions in the winter so you got to watch yeah, out for absolutely. that but um otherwise it's always a beautiful drive and you get the winery right there so
1: and we like coming up in the summertime, too, because it's at yeah. least, you know, 10 degrees cooler at least in the mountains <laughs> than, you know, we're in the Charlotte area. So it's a little bit warmer down here, but it's just nice to get away and, and kind of have a, you know, slightly cooler day.
2: Oh, yeah. You're like, what's that? Is that a breeze? <laughs> <laughs> Is that
0: lower humidity?
2: Oh, my. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. so we talked you, you Lindsay, you touched on, on coronavirus and COVID. So let's maybe talk a little bit about how. That has impacted business and and changed things up. Uh, I'm sure for what happened. Well, we could
2: talk so. about this for hours. Yeah, yeah genuinely. What a um, year! What a year! It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's um. So we were we were closed um from I guess well this will be the same for every North Carolina winery. So oh, I'm sure, sure. a lot of listeners. Oh, ML knows the exact date. <laughs> I I look at reports. That's that's what they keep me around for. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> just, just like everybody, everybody got that um, shut down March 17th. And then um, we got that beautiful phone call, thank goodness, from Mark Krasilowski on Friday night, May 22nd, that said we can open on the 23rd. And we the business plan, which I'm going to let Jesse talk about, that we've always had, quickly changed. And we called it immediate staff um, uh, emergency, emergency, emergency! Staff <laughs> meeting, I should say, and people were eager to be there and be ready to help us get back open the next day. Yeah, it was insane. It was crazy. My yes. favorite part of the year is that every part of this year has been different. It's yeah, yeah. yeah. And so. it's, I mean, it, so um, mom kind of touched on that. So when we reopened, I mean, we were trying to figure out, you know, how in the world to just keep everyone as safe as possible. Of course, you know, we've said we have a, uh, an 88, almost 89-year-old man who is very stubborn and, you know, is like, oh, yeah, I guess I do need to wear my mask. And we're like, oh, wear your mask. So he's, you know, and, and just loves conversating and meeting new people. So just trying to protect him this year was a full-time job because he's just wild and he's okay. everywhere at once. He's so. just trying to live his life. Yeah. And we're just <laughs> trying to protect his life. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's so typically at um, River Falls winery, as with many other wineries, you would just be able to walk up to the bar. We have this beautiful long tasting bar where you can have a tasting, you know, personally with a server that walks you through each wine, tells you about it. But you know, that's, that's what you want when you go to a winery, you want to hear about all those things. And obviously that's not something realistic to do during the pandemic. So it changed. I mean, immediately, we're just talking every single day about, okay, this worked and this didn't work. And so we're going to try table service. Okay. We're going to try like seating people like you would at a restaurant, but the way we've created our property is just so wide open that it was like, okay, let me take you to your table. Oh, someone came in the other door and they're sitting at the table we were going to (laughs) take. Okay. So it's, and then it's awkward. And I, I'm not, none of us three were, we're big people pleasers. So telling people no, or saying like, Hey, you can't do this. Oh, it it broke us as humans. It was rough. (laughs) uh, It's, it was, um, yeah, it's been a really, a really interesting year, but along with that, like Lindsay was saying earlier, I mean, we saw so many people, and it stretched us. Um, it stretched us in a way to use our property creatively to make places where people could enjoy space, like outdoors away from other people. We have that red barn that we use during the Christmas tree choosing cat season. That is usually just storage during mm-hmm. the year, just to hide all of our junk in, and so. Lindsay, Lindsay's our our cleaner out girl and she was like uh we're getting this crap out of the barn and we're Mm -hmm. using the barn and so cleaned out the barn and that i mean we're just we don't see how we'll ever not be able to use the barn and not be able to use our lawn in the same Mm -hmm. way like moving forward so there is i just don't even remember what it was like before yeah like how close people were in our tasting rooms and i don't know if this is Silly to bring up, but I think about if you guys have ever seen Coyote Ugly. Some days, a Saturday at the winery felt like (laughs) a pandemic,
4: pandemic. and
2: I just can't even (laughs) believe what we were doing, what we were doing. Trying to get a customer out the door on a busy day, and now we get them what they need. Yeah, yeah. And now it's now it's so spread out, and we we've really enjoyed table service. It honestly makes the vibe better. It does. Yeah. So. I mean, it's. I think the whole conversation around this has been tough because we had a very, a very. While it was a very difficult and challenging year mentally for us, we're grateful our family stayed safe and our staff stayed safe and you know, coronavirus free. Uh, while those things were were difficult, we had a great year as a business, wow. which is not true for so many businesses right. North Carolina and throughout America. So it's just the strangest like mix of of like set like happy that we're figuring it out and that you know people don't hate us after we tell them no a million times and then you know happy that we're able to have a successful year but also just like you know grieving that it has to be like this and that there's so many businesses that weren't able to you know to harbor the year and so it's just it's such a strange mix of of feelings and how do you even talk about it? And how do you even celebrate having a good year in the midst of so many people not having a good year? So, so it's a strange, it's a strange line to ride for sure.
0: But it sounds like some of the things that happened are probably going to be more permanent instead of just a temporary because of. Oh, I
2: think think so. so. I mean, we have really enjoyed, I think that it has enhanced the winery experience where before, if you did come on a Saturday, it was sometimes like, oh, it's two. I can't go to Lindsay Falls because right. their bar is going to be so full that I can't even order a glass of, mm-hmm. order a wine. Glass right. of wine and simply sit it outside. Now you can very easily just seat yourself at a table. You don't even have to go inside. You just come and we come out to you. We got our masks on. We're all safe. We do everything you need, bring you your glass, bring you your bottle, bring you a flight. You don't even have to stand. You can mm-hmm. do your flight at the table we explain to you everything that you want. Yeah. The experience ends up being better because you get that person-to-person interaction, whereas you're not just seeing a server for like five seconds and then they're running to the other end of the bar mm-hmm. to pour 10 flights for people. Yeah. It becomes a better experience, and it's slower paced. You can walk around. You can go sit wherever you want, and I really enjoy it. I just think it's it's been great for our servers, too. Yeah. We've gotten a lot of exercise. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we love to We all have those watches, either Fitbits or Apple watches, Apple watches and we're like, Gosh, I got sixteen thousand steps. Oh my gosh, I got fourteen. You know, Mom always gets more. We're convinced, like she does something secret to make hers.
3: <laughs> I'm
2: running in place.
1: Yeah, She goes up to the riesling when the midday, and you know, before everyone
2: else
0: <laughs> yeah. is there,
1: right?
2: It's probably those three cups of coffee. It's probably registering her yeah.
0: heartbeat. She moves as pretty as fast, <laughs> so she probably <laughs> is speed walking through everything.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought there was something else too. Um, before. We all were shut down in the state, all the all the businesses. I thought about something that Jessica had put in place for us was shipping. Mm-hmm. And we had picked up that Vino Shipper because we've come to the conferences and we'd heard about it from different meetings that, you know, we gather around the round table and people were talking. She did a lot of research and she got us set up and now we're compliant in thirty-eight states. Shipping kept us afloat. It was great. God bless Vino Shipper, man. It's, yeah, and they're great to work with, they're the best. They yeah. are amazing. shout out to Vino Shipper, yeah, shout out to Vino Shipper, sponsor cork talk. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> please, Vino Shipper, please. Yeah,
2: yeah. But it's we had to go curbside a little bit prior to the actual shutdown, yeah, and it was a family decision because uh, Jack, okay. we we want to keep them around as long as we can, and um, uh, he's the creator. And um, he has blessed us with this future. So because of that, we were like, ProSide's going to work great for us. So the the Vino shipper was wonderful. And we were shipping around. The clock. Crazy. Oh my People gosh, it was a full-time job. I, yeah. We turned into shipping managers for a couple months. We, yeah. had, we had shipping dance parties, building boxes. It was fun. I mean, it was fun. It was yeah. fun. It yeah. was fun. And we were safe. And that yeah. was the best part about it. Is and it, it is we felt
1: safe. Yeah. So good. Good. That definitely matters
0: for yeah, sure. We had we know that there were a lot of wineries that weren't shipping before COVID that had to had to, to be able to stay afloat. And um, I think a lot of them are using Mino Shippers.
1: And so. it's a great way to pivot yeah. too. Like you said, it takes care of all the compliance stuff. So all you have to do is just sign up for it. I'm sure there's more things behind the scenes, but uh, they take care of most of everything that you need and you just provide the wine.
2: Yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. And any questions we have, there was always someone you could talk to yeah. to like there's an unit you know, shopper that would answer it. So yeah.
0: Good. It was
1: great. Cool. Well that's excellent. So 2020 aside and pandemic aside, what are some of the things that have left the biggest impact on you over the years of doing business?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um I can Kind of go first, Mm -hmm. but I definitely want to hear you know what you guys think as well. I think my love of wine culture and the and other people who love wine, it's I think the way that that's grown in me has left the biggest impact. It's just it's an incredible thing to like sit over a glass of wine, the conversations that happen, the relationships that are built, just you know people coming just to to get away to find rest to find a change of pace to enjoy this like artfully creative thing that's some something that's enjoyed around the world and specific to to different cultures i mean just the whole culture of wine is, is such an incredible thing and i think like being you know just like mama linda was saying like when we came on board, we didn't know anything about wine. I mean, we thought we were going to be missionaries. So <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. <I> didn't know. <laughs> yeah. we didn't know what we were going to do. About that. I mean, we, we didn't know anything other than, you know, what my grandpa had, had like, let me try as a high schooler or whatever, but it, it's just like, here, try this. Or, um, so the learning curve was massive and um, that happened mostly on the tasting bar. You know, i um, just this 22 year old kid and I'm pouring wine and they're like, I'm telling them about the wine and they're like, okay. And then they're (laughs) telling me, you know, about their wine experience and the things they've seen and what they know about the Riesling grape. And so it's, I've learned so much about the wine world. And the more I've learned, the more I realize like how much more there is to learn. So the culture of it is just super awesome. And then beyond that, I've also learned how to, you know, run a website, do compliance, <laughs> lots of life skills learned. Uh, so I never thought I'd make so many calls to the state of North Carolina asking, how do I do this? <laughs> but, yeah. My favorite part is whenever you call them and you tell them specifically what you're looking for. And they're like, um, we'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, that's validating. So okay, I do I want to don't know what I'm doing. So, yeah, yeah. um, that would be my answer. Do you want to go next or do you want me to? Sure. Yeah. I think for me, it's just realizing you can literally do anything. Mm -hmm. And being able to have that flexibility as a family, I'm so thankful for because not everybody gets the opportunity in life to make their own work decisions and life decisions. But we really get to, like, make our own path in life. And make our own choices and make our own decisions. and that's rare. that's mm-hmm. so rare. Um, so being able to say, hey, that is not working anymore and totally changing um, pivoting or creating something that I don't know has never been done before. <laughs> it's it's really cool. Um, and just being able to always reinvent um, ourselves and, reinvent what we're doing. It's just having that ability and the flexibility to do those things is really awesome. And just knowing that you can that's yeah. kind of my just learning that not everything's black and white. So and I'm a very black and white person, but I'd say I'm not that way anymore, which is really cool. Just being able to see things from all different ways and come up with new ideas and being creative is really awesome. Yeah. That's my Okay. So <laughs> Couple of things that they said: the creativity is beautiful behind it. The relationships that you build mm-hmm. is, is I feel like are going to be lifelong. We have met so many neat people from everywhere. That Blue Ridge Parkway brings people from all over the world, and they got to get on a boat or a plane to get there from some countries. But you're like, you're from Portugal. You're from Germany. Wait a minute. You're from where? And so some of the conversations that you have with people, you meet people from all over the world. And like Jessica said, we didn't really have that experience. You know, we weren't brought up. I wasn't brought up around wine. My kids weren't really brought up around wine. And so my education, I would say my education came from being on the bar. And the beauty behind it all is that I may not know the answer to the question someone's asking me but they know it. And so I am very grateful and thankful when I'm pouring Cabernet and I tell them where it comes from in Washington state and they go, Oh my gosh, I've been there. Have you been? And I'm like, no. Will you take me? <laughs> and so when you, said, um, you, you learn so much. So I didn't get the college degree like these ladies got their college degree. And this probably wasn't the future they thought they were going to have. But the most wonderful thing about it is they want to work with their mother and they come back to work every day. So I get get to see them more than they thought they were ever going to see me. Oh, it's great. And so I have that relationship. Everybody in the tasting room is a family. We care for one another. No one's an employee. Everybody is a family member. And so we're a team. And that that has built the most beautiful relationships, I think. The relationship, the knowledge of all the wine, it's so vast, the education that we've gotten from learning about wine, and, and there's so much more to learn. Yeah, it's, we're like sponges trying to soak it all up.
1: Family matters so much, and it, you, the, the three of you kind of really embody that. You work so well together, you, you play off each other very nicely, so totally agree. We're, we're kind of winding down on the questions. What is one thing you want customers to know when they come visit Lindblad Falls Winery,
2: that's a great question. And um, Mom and Lindsay may have something they want to input, but um, I think I, I want people to to understand like different growing regions within North Carolina. I think that's going to be a very interesting thing in the future, and I think the lines are are going to get drawn more and more specifically as we learn like about our region and about. The grapes that grow and the grapes that don't grow. And, um, you know, along with Grandfather and Banner Elk and even up into Otago Lake, you know, learning about what the Appalachian High Country, viticulture area, learning more about our identity, you know. And I think having people come knowing that like, oh, you don't grow your Cabernet and, and maybe... I think I used to feel a little bit of shame about that, but then as, as we've had the opportunity to travel other places, knowing that like, you know, a lot of places in the world, they just grow like these one or two varieties and that's what they're known for. So it's like awesome that we can offer a variety, even though it's not necessarily something we grow, but like, um, for the customer to understand that, like, that that's, more of the norm if that makes sense you know Mm. um that yes we're offering this variety but like these are the ones we highlight because they are estate grown and this is what identifies us in our growing region that's the first thing that kind of pops into Mm. my head yeah i would agree with you that's that's definitely my number one thing i want people to to understand and to feel whenever they come to the vineyard or the farm. The farm. Me, the farm. <laughs> yeah, I just want people to feel comfortable. Yeah. Because we're farmers. We always say we're not bougie. We <laughs> aren't bougie. We're farmers first. And then, hey, we grew these grapes. And this is what we have to offer. And it makes fun. It's us. Oh, so, yeah. I definitely just want to. I want people to feel comfortable, just like Mona's saying, like that anyone can come in and have a great time. Yeah. Yeah, for so, sure. and it's a no pressure situation. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to know anything about water You don't have to know anything. If you like it, awesome. If you don't, that's also fine. Just you, have a good yeah, time. You got mud <laughs> on your shoes? We do too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so just mentioned briefly the Appalachian High Country AVA. So maybe let's talk about that for just a moment um, and kind of talk about what that means to, to that area.
2: Yeah, it's a really big deal. I mean, we're really we're really proud of it because it really legitimizes our area as a great growing region um, in North Carolina. Having that that designated viticulture area that's that's nationally recognized is really cool. And, you know, a lot of people worked hard to make sure that that became a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how many years? Three. Um, Gosh, it's been a little bit longer than that. I want to say that it takes three years to get, you know, the paperwork, (laughs) you know, all the um, litigation it has to go through, all the funding that it has to go through, and all the levels of accreditation it has to go to, um, through. So I want to say it was uh, either 2016 that we got um, our full accreditation. Gosh, I can't, I can't, Remember not about be. it. But it's not its not been like 10 yeah, years. It seems been about right. Open yeah. But there were some people from, from what, five different counties and three different states came on board to help get that started and going. And there's only a few of us left really, you know, supporting it and talking about it. But the, like Jessica says, it's nice to be legit. Yeah. You know, we've been growing the fruit. And a lot of people in the state grow the fruit, just like a lot of people in the United States grow the fruit. Right. But it's not until you get the legal legitimacy that um, you can say it's a state, that you can say, Hey, we grow this. Applauding our country, I've I've put, it our on our country label. put it on our right. label. And that's um you mentioned a really cool part is that mm-hmm. we do um, share the, those borders with like Tennessee and with like Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so those those area those areas within the Appalachian High Country, we also get to kind of cross borders too, and, and be part of that with some other states as well, which is it's pretty fun too. So that's cool.
0: Yeah, I don't think there are too many too many AVAs that that cross state borders, but North Carolina has two AVAs that cross state borders, so that's kind of uh, interesting.
2: So, yeah, very neat. It's cool. It has to do with that, I guess, the terrain and the elevation and the climate sure. and all those things. Um, to use the word again legitimizes why that's considered an appellation. And you know, I guess I should mention here we do hope that that there's more people, you know, that that want to plant vineyards in the Appalachian High Country. That whether this has been their home for a long time or whether they're they're moving up here, especially we're we're finding you know a lot more people moving to our area because of the pandemic has made them realize, well, we want a little more space. So. You know, the people that have the means to do that, we're seeing a lot of people move up here. And, and you know, with that may bring bring more vineyards, more wineries, and, and we hope that for our area. You know, I think we want to see that grow. We want to see see other places able to, to do the same thing, to learn things that we didn't know, to start growing a grape that maybe we didn't think about. And so um, we think that would be super awesome. And we've really appreciated the relationships that we've gotten to have with our other our other fellow um, Appalachian High Country vineyards mm-hmm. and wineries, for sure.
0: Okay, so why don't we uh, tell folks how to find you, both physically and virtually?
2: Yes, so physically, like we've mentioned a few times, we're very close to the Village Parkway. We're located in the sprawling metropolis of Limble Falls. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right? No. So Lumville Falls, um, it's between, uh, like, Asheville and Boone, roughly, we're along Highway 221 in Avery County, at the, the lower end of the county. Mm-hmm. La for sure. La, <laughs> LA the, yeah, yeah I can say. Uh, yes. <laughs> but um, but, yeah, right there off of the Blue Ridge Parkway um, Exit 317. The actual Limble Falls hike is Exit 316 on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Mm-hmm. So really close, fun to make a day of the two things. We find a lot of people do that. They'll They'll visit, you know, local cheese plants like English Dairy, go on a hike, go to the caverns, come to the winery. Super fun day. Great, great day there. So along Highway 221 is our address. Um, And then virtually we can be found on Facebook and Instagram. We're pretty active on there. Love um, interacting with people. Instagram, we're at Limble Falls Winery. Facebook, Limble Falls Winery. And... As she mentioned before, Jessica does our website mm-hmm. and we encourage all listeners yes. to visit our website and read our information and check everything out on there. Cause we work hard on that website, Yay. getting all of the information out for people to know about. So, and it's, it's cool. And like, it's ever so changing. So always good. Realism. Check the website. That's where we, that's where we keep things pretty updated. So.
0: And that website is linville falls correct yes
2: Jeff.
0: yes that's it that's it so any any last things that you want folks to know about the wiseman's and linville falls winery oh
2: goodness well the wiseman's that's a whole other conversation <laughs> yep. we'll do that over on family talk <laughs> <laughs> And we'll definitely need wine. Yeah, that's of that's course. one where we're going to be drinking wine, not coffee. Yeah. Um, no, I mean we're we are just excited to welcome folks into our, our crazy little world, crazy little family, and that you know we um, we're grateful for you guys reaching out to us about doing yeah, an interview. Sure. And, um, this has been really fun. We love what we do, and we love spending time together. Yeah. That's not without hardship, of course, but we really enjoy. And are thankful mm-hmm. for
0: our lives, the lives yeah. that we have. So, yeah. well, that's awesome. And ladies, it's been a pleasure uh, having you on Cork Talk today. Uh, give our best to Jack. We hope he has his vaccine soon if he hasn't already, and yeah. all of you as well.
2: Yeah, <laughs> he's got it. He Good. Was- excellent. Thank, Thank you, guys. guys. That's it for this episode of Cork
0: Talk.
1: Thanks again to the Wiseman's. The winery is a great visit at any time of year, and we highly recommend you plan a visit.
0: If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and a review. It helps others find Cork Talk and lets us know how to improve.
1: Did you know we have a Patreon page? You'll get patron-only content, early access to each show, and more when you sign up. You can find out more information at
0: patreon.com
1: corktalk Talk.
0: Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Guys. Until next time, remember, pork only talks when it's out of the bottle. Cheers! Cork Talk is a free-run LLC production.
1: This episode was made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council.